uh, wow, Easter was great. And it's such a big buildup to Easter and the baptisms. Can we uh, praise God again for the baptisms? Uh, keep praying for Grace. Keep praying for Amanda. Keep praying for Victor, for Kalel, uh, for Evie. Uh, what a blessing. It was, it was, I mean, my heart was full, my cup runneth to over. I think I just created another new word. I keep doing that lately. It was just so, so beautiful. We got a lot of things coming up for you to engage with and be involved in. We got the young adults group, of course. We have other Bible studies. We have the garden kickoff. We do have a work day planned for May 14th. Uh, we're gonna be actually working on those garden boxes and cleaning up the grounds here. Um, but, uh, oh, and then this weekend, I'm going off with some men to Moab. We're gonna be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with other men, as long as they're on the trails biking with us, that's how they're going to hear the good news. It's going to be a great time. So yeah, please uh, just be aware of what's going on so that you can be engaged and involved with all that God's doing here at Connections. Uh, this morning, we are going to kind of pick up and wrap up our Focus on the Cross series that was bringing us through the Easter season, through our celebration of Easter last Sunday, and kind of one more hit on this topic before uh, we kick off our series, uh, May 1st, next Sunday, it's going to be Biblical Help for Mental Health. And we uh, May is Mental Health Awareness. Um, it's either Mental Health Awareness Week or Day, or, but we're going to take the whole month. And we're going to be looking into the scriptures and how the scriptures really are a great aid for us to seek not just spiritual uh, health, not just a relationship with God, but God, the Lord of our minds, Lord of all creation, to help us uh, just uh, in that area of life. So really looking forward to kicking off. Ruth will be kicking off that series uh, next Sunday, and then I'll be picking up the week after. It's going to be a great time. Uh, so friends, today though, a pastor will often start with, you know, touch your neighbor, tell them uh, you're glad to see him, give him a shout out, give him an amen. I could play a really cruel trick on you today if we're going to dive into the topic of today's text. I could ask you to just go ahead and look at your neighbor or talk to your neighbor and tell them, what is your biggest regret in life? What is the worst moment you ever had, that thing that horrifies you, that thing that terrifies you, that thing that if we got a video of it on our little phone camera and we put it up on the screen, that you would just be mortified, uh, that you would hang your head in shame, that you would go running out. Here's the deal. We might like the mantra, no regrets, but that's really bad advice to live a life without regrets. Regrets can be awful, but regrets can be a gift because our regrets can teach us to get better. And we're going to dive deep into the story of Peter and really his biggest regret, but how Jesus is going to bring him through that regret, through that failure, through that falling so far short of who Jesus was calling him to be and how we know he wanted to live. We all have these areas of regret. I often joke about saying, I'm a horrible uh, multitasker. You know, I can hardly chew gum and walk at the same time, except in this one area of life. I am great at multitasking when it comes to shame and guilt and regret. I could be having a conversation with you and you could say one word. And in my mind, I could go back to a moment where I'm just horrified. And maybe it's something I said, something I did, uh, an attitude, a behavior, something in my life. I can be driving down the road. It can be a beautiful day. The birds can be singing. The sun can be shining. And all of a sudden, I don't even know why, where, how it happens. But that thought can crop back into my head of that something that just 
horrifies me. I'll actually be honest. My name is George Justin Saylor. So often I'll sign things with just my initials, GJS. And sometimes I look at those initials and I think that maybe stands for guilt and judgment and shame. <laughs> because I live with it. We all live with it. It's going to be a part of our lives. But thanks be to God, we're going to find a way, I think, through those areas of guilt and judgment, shame and regret in our lives. We're going to dive deep now into the story of Peter. And Peter's story is going to go something like this. We know that Peter needs to be restored. But in order to be restored, you tragically have to have a fall. But in order to have a fall, you have to actually get elevated one <laughs> at one point in your life, right? So we're going to go on a little journey with Paul about how Jesus lifted him up, called him to be the rock, the foundation of the church, how he had an awful fall, an awful regret in his life, but how Jesus met him again and restored him back to the call, the claim that he had over his life. Let me read for us John chapter 21. Gonna team, I'm gonna read the first 14 verses, then we're gonna start breaking it down. John chapter 21, afterward, this is after the resurrection, after Easter Sunday, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The old, you know, fish naked thing apparently was a thing back then. I don't know. That's, what, that's the way it happened back in the day. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've caught. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is a very similar scene actually when we first meet Peter. We first meet Peter when he's actually brought to Jesus by his brother Andrew. Andrew, a disciple of John the Baptist, is following John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Andrew says, that sounds like a good plan and a good guy to follow. So he follows Jesus. 
He comes to believe that Jesus may be the Messiah, the Christ. He does what we should all do. He goes and tells his family, his friends, everybody he can. He goes and he grabs Simon. He says, I think we may have met the Lord. So Simon comes and meets Jesus. And Jesus, upon meeting him, changes his name to Peter, the rock, and declares that upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And Peter is so impressed, and we talked about this back in February, that apparently he went back to fishing. (laughs) Sometimes we follow Jesus in steps, getting closer and closer. The next time we meet Peter, it's actually in his home. They had developed some kind of a relationship because Jesus is there teaching in his house. It appears that he was married, maybe even had a family. His mother-in-law, however, was very, very ill and Jesus healed her. And Peter was again so impressed that he went back to fishing because then we find Peter again cleaning his nets After a night of fishing without catching, working all through the night, Jesus comes along the shore. He says, hey, Peter, can I teach on your boat? Would have been a great way to teach to a crowd. He was just out a little bit from the shore. Jesus must have stood there on maybe the hull of that ship. We know how kind of voices carry over the water. He taught the crowd. It was a beautiful scene. He looks over at Peter. He says, hey, let's go back out fishing a little bit. It's a great pivotal moment in Peter's life. Could have said, forget it, worked all night, not going to do this. But he says, because you say so, Lord. Kind of puts it on Jesus. Maybe thinks he's setting Jesus up for the fail. Uh, Not a fail at all. They put out the net. They get a catch so great. They can't even bring in the catch themselves. They call to their friends. They bring another boat out. We know that they get this haul in. Everybody's like, what a catch. What a haul. This is great. We're going to eat for weeks. We're going to make money. Woohoo! Let's just get Jesus fishing with us all the time. This is going to be a great business opportunity. Peter, wonderfully though, he's the guy who seems to see like what this means at another level because he goes to Jesus. And you remember what he said? He says, away from me, Jesus as I am a sinful man. Peter already disqualified himself. Isn't that interesting? Peter seems really good at not thinking he's worthy. (laughs) I've said it before, I'll keep saying it because it's one of these Christian truisms, but it's so true, even if it's sounding like a bumper sticker, we just need to reflect on the fact that Jesus doesn't call those who are qualified, but he keeps qualifying those whom he calls. If he was waiting to only call those who are qualified, he would be waiting for all eternity. (laughs) But praise be to God, he calls men and women. He calls fallen, sinful men and women. He calls broken, hurting men and women. He calls wounded people to walk alongside with him, to receive healing and restoration, to receive forgiveness, to receive hope, to gain strength, to receive power from the Holy Spirit. He keeps qualifying those whom he calls. And guess who he calls? He calls people like Peter. He calls people like me. He calls people like every one of us who are willing to hear the invitation and to come alongside and follow. And it's that moment then that Jesus says to him, Peter, I will make you a fisher of men. And Peter begins this wonderful journey then of following Jesus. Peter now living into this new identity, this new birth as who? The rock. 
the rock for Jesus Christ. And it is this rock that goes along and he hears the teaching of Jesus. And he sees how it touches the hearts and the minds of men and women and people's lives are changed. He sees how Jesus performs these miracles, turns the water into wine, opens the eyes of the blind, tells paralyzed people to stand up and walk. He casts out demons. He raises people from the dead and Peter is there experiencing all of it. Peter is the first one to declare, who do you say I am? You are the Christ the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. I believe it, I declare it, I'm gonna live into it. Peter is there when Jesus goes up onto a mount and he is transfigured. His glory as the son of God, the eternal one is revealed. Peter witnesses all of these moments alongside of Jesus Christ, which leads Peter all the way up to this past week of Easter. Early on in that week, we see Peter and all of his bravado declaring, though all betray you and all would run away from you, not I, Jesus, not I, I would never forsake you. I would never abandon you. I would never deny you. We see that Peter even lashes out when Jesus is about to be betrayed and arrested in the garden. Who is it that cuts off one of the guard's ears? It is Peter. It would appear that all of us in that moment of violence in that moment, that frenzy of war, we all have that capacity to become like this berserker and just rising to the occasion and lashing out. But Jesus stays his sword, live by the sword, die by the sword. And then we see Peter slink off into the shadows. And then that's when and where the real failure happens. If you're not familiar with the story, we just really skimmed over it in the week leading up to our celebration of, of, of Easter. But Jesus is, of course, betrayed. He is arrested. He's put on trial. And he's moving between this kangaroo court of these trials unfolding in his life before Ananias and Caiaphas and the high court. We see Peter, and, 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 and we don't know exactly the timeline of how it happened, if it was all at once or it spanned through the course of the night, because, of course, this went all the way through the night and into the morning. But it appeared that on several occasions, Peter was holding back off into the distance. He was warming himself by a fire, and he was getting called out, aren't you one of the disciples? No, not I. Aren't you one of his disciples? No, not I. And it gets to the point where, and I like to always state it in the way that Scripture states it, because Scripture states it so severely. He called down curses on himself. And if you'll forgive the pastor for calling down curses, he is literally saying, I'll be damned if I know the man called down curses from heaven on himself. And you know what happened at that moment? Do you remember the story? That's when the rooster crowed and his denial, his betrayal was revealed. Now think about this for just a moment before we go back in deeper to the story. How often do you think people heard roosters crow in the ancient world? Just about every morning. Can you imagine reliving that moment the rest of your life? Can you imagine literally having a wake-up call, an alarm clock reminding you of your worst moment, your biggest regret, your worst failure every single day of your life? It been awful. It been horrible. It would have been haunting. That's where Peter's stuck. As you think about it, though, 
you know, it says that he denied him three times. He hears the rooster crowed. He remembered, and, and then it kind of became aware. It did kind of like wake him up to what was happening. It does occur to me that all of us could put an alarm on our phones. You could probably down one that even sounds like a rooster crowing. Uh, may, maybe just do this as a little experiment for the next season of your life. If there's some way to set a random alarm to go off on your phone, do it. And in that moment, when that alarm that sounds like a rooster goes off on your phone, just think about, how have I denied Jesus in the past day, the past two days, the past season of life? Did I deny his love in the way that I treated a fellow image bearer? Did I deny his truth if I told eh, that little lie just to cover over something? Did I deny him as my Lord and Savior when I simply didn't take hold of an opportunity to share the good news with someone? It's pretty easy to paint Peter with a broad brush of denial and failure. But if we're honest with ourselves, we can paint ourselves to that same brush when we hear the rooster crow and recognize, I deny Jesus a million times, a million different small ways each and every day. Oh, this is good news. Okay, everybody, we're all depressed now. So, <laughs> But we have to get into that moment of, how awful, how horrible, how deep, how dark this hole that Peter finds himself in. Peter is now living in this moment. He is stuck in this moment. Remember that song that came out now like 20 years ago by you 2 Stuck in a Moment? Remember it won a Grammy. I remember I really loved that song because that song just always reminded me of this story of just being stuck, of just being stuck in this moment. And I bet you know somebody who is stuck in a moment of their life and they have just struggled for maybe weeks, decades to get past that moment. And you can see how it haunts them, how it holds them, the prison of it. I mean, that's Peter. That's his life. That's where he's at right now. He's living in this. And so picking up now, finally, where the story is, Jesus has already appeared twice to the disciples. Peter and John ran. You got to love that story. John outran Peter and, you know, Peter gets there and then they go back and Jesus appears that night. But Thomas isn't there. So Jesus appears the next week and appears to Thomas. And then it appears that Peter is still stuck in this moment because what does Peter say? I'm going out fishing. And what do his friends say? We'll go with you. I just got to pause on this because there is a great beauty to this moment, actually. There's a great beauty to the fact that Peter is stuck in this moment and he's going to go back to what he thinks he knows best. He's going to go back to what he thinks he's qualified to do, and that is to give up on fishing for men and to go back and fish for fish. And his friends just say, we'll go with you. That's kind of like our whole philosophy of groups and fellowship here at Connections Church, by the way. I hope that when you're in your darkest moment, I hope that when you're living with a regret, you're living with a failure, you're going through a hard time, I hope that there are people that will just say, we'll go with you. And they won't even preach to you. They won't even spot off pious platitudes of how you should get your life figured out and get right and go with God and all that stuff. Don't we all just need friends that sometimes just say, I'll just sit in the boat with you, even if we're catching nothing. 
I kind of love that they caught nothing, you know? Like they were just sitting there together with Peter, being with him in that dark moment. They should have captured the symmetry of it all when you think about it, because God works in wonderfully symmetrical ways, doesn't he? I mean, whenever he first called Peter, they were sitting on a boat all night and what did they do? They caught nothing. <laughs> and here they caught nothing again. And then they hear Jesus say, you know, cast off on the other side of the net and hear this voice says, cast off on the other side of the net. And they catch this big catch of fish and you'd think they'd see the symmetry of it all. John's the one who says, I think it's the Lord Jesus. And Peter jumps out of the boat again. Guess what happened to Peter last time he jumped out of a boat? He ended up walking on water. I don't know if he thought that's, maybe that's why he put on his coat. He's like, I'm gonna stay dry. I'm gonna walk on, oh, no, I'm wet. No, I mean, like, but at some point you should just get the symmetry of it all, the beauty of the symmetry of Jesus bringing it all back together for Pete, Pete because they end up on the beach. And just like he was there a couple nights earlier, warming himself by the fire, he finds another fire. We talked about in one of those miracle stories this past year how smell evokes memories. I'm sure maybe that smell of the coals burning were evoking the memories of his night, warming himself by those fires, continually reminding himself of those denials. But then we hear Jesus bringing him back. Let me pick up the story. I'm going to read it for you here in verse 15. Give my guys a second here just to pick up for us. I'm going to read 15. I'll just read through 17 here for us. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said to Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Oh, the symmetry of it all can't be ignored or denied at this point. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Do you get in this moment that Jesus is always so more willing to forgive than we are? that Jesus is more willing to forgive ourselves than we're even willing to forgive ourselves. Because think about this, does Peter doubt or deny Jesus now? Absolutely not. That was in the past. He knows what it's like to deny Jesus. He doesn't have any doubts now. Three times now, John makes that the point. Three times now, the risen Jesus Christ has appeared to Peter. Peter has no problem believing in Jesus. Peter still doesn't believe in himself. And I know that can sound like pop psychology or just feel good Christianity, but friends, that is something to make us all feel good. <laughs> that he believes in Jesus. He's just still having trouble believing in himself and believing that he is still worthy of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. He is still worthy to take up the mantle of this mission and this call of Christ over his life. And oh, I gotta tell you friends, I relate. I relate all too well. 
I can only speak for myself, but I can say this, for some reason it is in me that I do not struggle with a doubt in the word of God. I do not struggle with doubt that Jesus Christ was a real man. I do not struggle with doubt that the resurrection actually happened. I do not struggle with any doubt that what the Bible is revealing is the good news of life, but I can struggle with doubts about myself. I know that in my most glorious moments, my pride is still under the surface. I know that even at my best in the public, that underneath I still fall short in my attitude. Peter is struggling here to believe not that Jesus is the risen, reigning, ruling Lord of all. He just cannot accept or believe that he is worthy still of his forgiveness and this call to take up the mantle of the mission to become fishers of men. It's, 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 just, it's just kind of crazy when you think about what's happening in Peter's life. He, Peter is an experienced fisherman, but as Jesus is working in his life, he spends this night fishing and catching nothing at all. It's like he can't do it anymore. And then he has this next moment in his life after the Nile that he spends the whole night fishing again and he can't catch anything once again. This is Jesus gently kind of nudging and pushing him towards saying, listen, Peter, listen. <laughs> you're failing at fishing, not because you're a failure. You're failing at fishing because you're not supposed to be fishing for fish anymore. You're failing at fishing because I need you to be my fisher of men and women and women and children of all the nations. I need you to get past fishing for fish and get on with this mission that I've called you to, of fishing for people with this good news of the forgiveness that I'm offering to them and the forgiveness that I need you to live into. He just has a tendency to want to go back to that boat, and we all have that tendency to go back to those boats. And I could go off on it, but you can fill in the gaps. What's your boat? What is that comfortable place? What is that thing that keeps pulling you back in? For Peter, it was the boat. For Peter, it was fishing for fish. Know it, name it, call it out. What is that thing that's calling you away from the mission that you know Jesus is actually leading you into? The second point I want to make here then as we break this down. So Jesus is more willing to give Peter than Peter is willing to forgive himself. So Jesus has to go through this incredibly painful process of walking him through that denial. Can't go around it, can't get past it, can't ignore it any longer. Jesus knows if you are stuck in this moment of these denials, I'm just gonna need to walk you right back through it. I mean, that is the painful, severe mercy of Jesus Christ to Peter in this moment. I know you're stuck in that moment of denial, of betrayal. I know those three times you denied me just are haunting you every time you hear the rooster crow. So I'm gonna walk you through it again. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Peter, isn't that beautiful actually? As painful as it is for us to read, as painful as it might see, that Jesus will lovingly walk us through so that ultimate healing and restoration might come. Amen, amen. If he's walking you through something, know that he's doing it because he doesn't wanna drag you through the mud. Know that he's doing it because he wants to bring you out the other side and get you to where you need to be. We don't have to belabor that point. <laughs> he meets Peter. He's more willing to forgive him. He walks him through that denial because he needs to get him to the other side. And then what is the question that he asks him there? He says, do you love me? 
do you love me? Do you love me? Isn't it beautiful that he doesn't ask Peter, so Peter, what is it that is haunting you? So Peter, name for me your biggest mistake. So Peter, walk with me all of your regrets. So Peter, name your shame, name your judgment, name your guilt. Na no, no, isn't it great that all Jesus is saying here is, Peter, do you love me? And that's what he's asking us. That's the loving invitation of Jesus. He's asking us, do you love me? And feed my sheep, take care of my lambs, pick up the mantle of this mission and move forward in faith, offering the forgiveness that you have received, sharing the good news with those who are stuck in those moments of life, showing them that restoration can happen. I gotta do this. So let's have Wes come up and he can get ready to take us out with a little bit more worship. But as he does, I wanna read for you what happens to Peter. Actually, let me tell you what happens to Peter. In case you don't know the story real quick, apparently it worked. It worked. Apparently it worked because the very next time we see Peter, we turn the page and we're into the book of Acts. And what's gonna happen? 50 days after this, we find that Peter stands before a crowd of more than 3,000. He shares the good news that Jesus Christ is the crucified, risen, and returning Lord and Savior of all. He declares that there is forgiveness and life eternal in his name. People believe the church is born. The power of the Spirit is poured out. It is incredible. Peter is living into now who Jesus called him to be. But I love when we pick up with one of his letters. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses three and four. This won't be on the screen. This is just bonus here material for us. Look at how he starts his letter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Oh, my friends, you think Peter experienced that new birth? He experienced it, my friends. But that's the story of Peter. Peter's going through his life and he meets Jesus. And Jesus installs him to be the rock. And he has this great fall from glory in his denial. But that did not disqualify him from the mission that Jesus was calling him to do. He restored him. He renewed him. He gave him that new birth that was needed for Peter to move on. The mission that Jesus is calling him towards. My people, if you are stuck in a moment, and maybe some of us are, maybe some of us are stuck in some moment of life. Maybe that moment's been very recent. Maybe that moment has been haunting you for decades, but through the mercy and the goodness and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, I can tell you by the revelation of his word, he doesn't want that to be the end of your story but he wants to bring you through that and move you forward in faith and hope and mission with him. So if you're stuck in that moment, if you're doing that painful life inventory, if you know that there are amends to be made, make them this morning with Jesus Christ. We're gonna sing a song that's just like one of these, like, I know the perfect song. <laughs> the reckless love of our God, the reckless love of Jesus Christ. Friends, take a moment right now to experience 
to experience that reckless love of Jesus Christ that will forgive us of the greatest sins in our lives and restore us to the people and the calling that he has on each and every one of our lives. Let me say a prayer and then we're gonna worship God a little bit more here. Ah, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and I just wanna pray on behalf of myself and behalf of any brothers and sisters in faith who are maybe living in a moment, living in a moment of regret, a moment of denial, a moment of moral failure, a moment of pain, a moment that haunts us. And because we can't get past it, I'm gonna ask you to bring us through it. Bring us through it with that question, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And may our resounding answer be, yes, Lord, we love you. And in that declaration of love, may we know that we have the forgiveness of our sins, that we have life eternal, and that we have life, a new birth, right now, right here. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's worship.